0: Welcome to Tuesdays with Andrea. It's the inspiration station for everyday people guiding humanity forward. I'm your host, Andrea Rios McMillan, and every week I pursue conversations that matter with people who can relate to the common struggles we all face. You'll get to know the person behind the profession and find commonality with people of all ages, cultures, and backgrounds. Listen as friends, neighbors, and coworkers offer meaningful Personal explorations of modern life and the values we hold dear, all for the purpose of strengthening and uplifting others. Welcome, everyone, to the Tuesdays with Andrea podcast. This is Andrea, and today we have David Johnson. He's an internationally published photographer based in Chicago, Illinois. As a visual storyteller, his work focuses on capturing the life and personality of people all over the world. Uh, fascinated by that world around him, he does extensive work with several nonprofit and international aid organizations, helping to raise funds for under-resourced communities in the developing world. And he's also founder of his own nonprofit, True Chicago. Welcome to the show, David.
1: Great to be here. I'm, uh, this is this is fun. I feel honored that you're that you're having me today.
0: Oh, I'm honored that you're on the platform because uh, I admire your work. I'm a huge fan, as you know. Um, and have been for a very long time. David and I went to the same college, North Central College. Uh, we also grew up in the same town, Naperville, Illinois. So we mm-hmm. go way back. And since we were, what, teenagers, and yeah. you've, been, you've been going at it. <laughs> and you haven't stopped.
1: I haven't stopped. It's really funny because I was talking uh, with my wife, Elena, last night, and uh, just kind of mentally prepping and i was like man and i've known you and your sister for a really long time like Mm -hmm. we're working on like over 20 years
0: isn't that crazy
1: it's really hey but we still look good
0: we still look
1: (laughs) (laughs) we look great (laughs) wow yeah that's awesome
0: and I remember Elena. You know, the my favorite memory of her is she went to school with my cousin Adi, and yeah, yeah. at was Adi's graduation. I don't know if they graduated the same year or not. I um, think so. Yeah. But she, Adi was getting some award or it was something at her school, and so you know, family comes to to support. So I'm there to support my cousin, and there you see Elena. She's just there, and she is so happy for Adi, yeah, like yeah. just happy so she took time out of her and she's her friend too they're friends yeah but she was a great friend
1: yeah You know, it's funny because i think everybody has their their superpowers that it's like the thing that comes naturally to you and you don't have to try to do and for her uh for my wife it's definitely being a good friend and being excited for other people i know for me half the time i'm like I'm excited for me, you know, <laughs> like, but she truly gets excited for other people. So yeah, that's great.
0: So what have you guys been up to? How have you guys been reacting to COVID-19 and the quarantine and everyone kind of locked in?
1: Honestly, it's been one of those times where uh, we've learned a lot about ourselves. That is for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. We. I think going into this, nobody expected anything. Uh, we were traveling like literally the week before uh, quarantine started. And I look back at that trip in March now and I'm like, oh my goodness. We had no idea that that was basically the world would change forever. <laughs> and so it's it's funny because there are certain ways where we were very prepared for a moment like this to just... You know, we needed to catch up and spend time as a family. I needed to have a moment of stillness to work on my work and to, you know, put systems in place and structure things. And this has forced me to do that. But at the same time, I've definitely seen all the areas that we were not prepared. I know, you know, this time has made us way more disciplined financially. Mm -hmm. It's made us way more uh, disciplined about you know, our eating habits and things like that. That doesn't mean that I haven't spent time eating ice cream at least two or three times a week. So, you know.
0: Oh, how so you actually had better eating habits than being home?
1: Yeah, I would say now we do. At first, we didn't because it was like every other night going um, into the war zone that is Jewel grocery store, walking by that ice cream aisle and be like, I deserve this. You know, (laughs) I'm a survivor of a freaking pandemic. I deserve some Ben and Jerry's tonight. And so we did that a lot, a lot. Um, But now we're getting better.
0: Yeah. And, and what about how it's affected the way that you work and the way that you're able to connect and outreach people?
1: Yeah, no, that's, and that's an interesting thing because I would say the way that I work It's definitely, you know, I'm a photographer and you have to be out in the world. The majority of the kind of photography that I do, I do a lot of commercial and editorial photography. So it's going to the story, constructing the story myself. And when you aren't supposed to leave your house or have physical contact with people, that's hard to do. Um, Now I would say we've adjusted and we figured out how to have smaller crews and have PPE and make sure that we have, you know, the right protocols in place. But, you know, I think initially it was definitely a a shell shock moment I had in for me, my my business isn't quite seasonal, but at the same time, it does have its, you know, high points and, and its lower points. And so for me, I would say I probably make 40 to 50% of what I make in a year between February and, you know, I don't know, October. Mm -hmm. And so, and what time have we been in during this whole time? (laughs) Yeah. So because of that, it's, we literally had jobs that like got canceled or got postponed or, you Mm -hmm. know, things like that. And so for me, it's been trying to figure out how to improvise, trying to figure out, um, like one of our clients is Microsoft and we, we had two shoots. We were supposed to do one here in Chicago and one in Columbia. And both of those shoots got postponed indefinitely. But what we realized is the client still needed content. And so what we did was uh, we worked with the, with the client there and um, came up with a team of photographers that could basically source uh, from stock websites and and their own libraries and all that kind of stuff to still deliver the kind of imagery that we... So it's those little kinds of pivots and solves that we've had to come up with to still make sure that what we're doing is uh, fulfilling whatever clients' needs we have.
0: Mm-hmm. Have you noticed that, that your work has gotten better, more creative during this time now that you have more time at home? Has it allowed you space to maybe grow um, in terms of like diversifying content that you wouldn't have otherwise had time to maybe put out?
1: Yeah, that's an interesting question. I feel like you asked it in a way where I have to say yes. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, no, but I, luckily the answer is yes. Um, I think it was just different than I expected. You know, I think that there's like this romanticized version of things that we, Maybe just me, but I know some people have in their head of like, man, if I just had extra time, I would, you know, perfect my craft in this area or I would organize these things or, you know, my closet wouldn't be such a mess or whatever. So my closet's still a mess. That's A.
0: (laughs) A. Clean your closet, David. Clean
1: my dang closet. Um, But B, I think for me it's been one of those like I I was saying at the like at the beginning of quarantine that there were two kinds of people. And this is a gross oversimplification, but two kinds of people. One kind of person who, when all of this started happening, they almost went into freeze mode and like almost like a hibernation of like let's just. Pull up until it passes over you know um, yeah and then you had those who the second kind of person would be the person who's like just spurred into action and was trying to do as many things as possible trying to read all the articles trying to come up with a, as many new tricks as possible and I was definitely the second person and mm-hmm. the challenge is for those that went into hibernation it, It's one of those things where you have to thaw out eventually and you have to, you know, embrace the fact that this is how the world is right now. Like, Mm -hmm. we can't physically be in the same place all the time. But then when the the second person who's the go-getter, you hit a wall eventually.
0: Yeah, I was about to say, those people in hibernation right now are rested.
1: Right, exactly. (laughs) And I know for me, like... I didn't rest, you know, and I did hit a wall and I did hit that moment of like, I mean, I literally remember the day, like it was when one of our biggest jobs was officially canceled and that was a lot of money that I was planning on and we were planning based upon and just in one phone call, it was gone, you know, and for me, that was a moment where I was like, I don't know what else to do. Like, and I literally walked to the park down the street from my house and just like, you know, when you go to a park or something and your intention is to go running or to do some sort of exercise, that was my intention. But then I got there and I just wound up sitting in the middle of the field and like. In tears, all of that. Crying.
0: Time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just because I
1: was like, my kids depend on me. <laughs> the
0: pursuit it was it a pursuit of happiness moment? <laughs>
1: full on. Yes. Full on. Will Smith, not very well shaven, you yeah. know, need to go get a haircut. And I'm crying in the middle of the field. That's for real the kind of moment I was having. But I think, you know, there is a power in letting go and there's a power in relinquishing this mindset that you have to be in control of what happens. And for me, that's been one of the biggest lessons is trusting that if I do all that I can do and I put the work in, that regardless of what I see in front of me, that what I have planted is going to be something good. And, you know, the fruit of that is going to, to turn up, whether it's now or, or down the road.
0: Mm-hmm. Are you still in that phase? Are you now in this
1: open embracing? Am I still crying and unshaven? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well,
1: <laughs> no. How
0: long ago was this?
1: <laughs> right. No, this, honestly, that, so that would have been in late April, um, early May. March, the, for the rest of March, it was like trying to figure out how I could hold on to the old normal, you know? Yeah. And then April was feeling it slip through my fingers. <laughs> <laughs> like literal jobs and, you know, normal pieces of life and all of that. And even certain friendships and relationships seem like they're not able to withstand this moment. I don't yes. know if you've experienced that.
0: You, me and my sister, we we have never fought in our adult lives, <laughs> man. We probably went through this whole pandemic. Like, like, I'm like, what's going on? Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 We
0: have never, ever. And, um, you know, it was one of those things where you're like, wow, what yeah. is going on?
1: Yeah. No, I think that that, I mean,
0: we're good now. We are great.
1: <laughs> okay, good to hear. Good to hear. Cuz I was going to say we're still you guys, friends. <laughs> you have a long-standing relationship.
0: Right. <laughs> no.
1: So, I would say for me, um it's definitely been one of those things where I've realized <laughs> I think it was Nipsey Hussle that said I don't usually quote Nipsey Hussle in,
0: in Oh, please do. In
1: <laughs> but he has this one line where he says the circle got smaller everybody can't go.
0: And yeah. it's
1: just this idea that has become very real during the season is at one point there were certain relationships that were kind of in your life and that you could maintain for whatever reason in that season. But as you go forward and as your mission and vision changes and sharpens for what you want to do, some people aren't going to fit within that. You know, some people aren't going to be able to go on that and, and contribute to that journey. And I think for me, it's been identifying relationship wise, like, okay, who who is going to contribute to to the journey that is me, my family, all of that. But then at the same time, whose journey can I contribute to? That makes sense, if that. Yeah, absolutely. If that makes sense, yeah.
0: Rest in peace, Nipsey.
1: Wow. (laughs) It's funny because I have a very clear vision of you and your sister when we were a freshman in college
0: (laughs) do i want to hear this story
1: (laughs) no there's no story it's no story i just i just remember you guys and we were like 18 19 years old and like no one knows what they want to do with their life yeah now but i feel
0: feel like you did in some way at that time you already i remember in one of the classes that we had together the teachers going around and they're asking like what you know who are you and you're Mm -hmm. like i'm the guy with the camera (laughs) <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. David knows what he's doing. Show yeah. off. <laughs> well, I definitely did
1: not know what I was doing. And yeah, for me, that was a thing where school probably, you know, didn't really make sense to me until I was maybe half of a foot out the door. So
0: so how yeah. did you get started in photography? How did you know at that, you know, 18 years old, you wanted to be a photographer? You talk about the calling behind the camera. What is that yeah. calling?
1: Yeah, so for me at 18, I definitely didn't know. I knew that I liked taking pictures. I think for me, I, (laughs) this is going to sound dumb, but like I had an attraction to beauty. And I know it's easy to say, well, everybody does. But for me, it was,
0: you mean like art?
1: well, yeah. For some reason, it it went beyond just a beautiful person or a beautiful woman or a good-looking guy or whatever. I mean, yes, you know, photograph uh, people, but at the same time, it was. I, I realized that there were certain moments in time that all the meaning would would come together to form something. That all the meaning, whether it is in somebody's life or a moment in time in community or in a society or any of those things. And there would be these certain moments that would pop up out of the ground that would sort of represent for all the other moments, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And for me, I just felt like I had a knack for identifying where those were. Yeah. That was something that I felt from, you know, very, like when I was in high school, I remember feeling that where something it was like the the hairs on back of my neck would stand up when I knew like, whoa, we're in a moment right now. and I was always just so drawn to that, wanting to be a part of it, interact with it in some way. And the easiest way was photography. I took a couple classes in high school, black and white classes in, you know, use the dark room and all of that. And honestly, I f- fell in love when you'd put the, and this is old school, you'd literally take the photo paper after you ex- you exposed the paper and you put it in the developer and like you would see an image appear out of nothing that was so powerful to me and it wasn't just any image it was the image that I captured and so in that class we were only supposed to develop one image per day and I would come out with like 10 images
0: overachiever I get-
1: yeah well <laughs> I got in trouble with the teacher and he he would get upset that I did that and um, he would say, you are you know, there's rules and blah, blah, blah. And I, w- I would even skip other classes to go into the dark room. I would skip my lunch to go in the dark room. And he'd turn on the lights and yell at me every time. And so I just. I, Isn't I that crazy? That...
0: So much light and beauty comes out of the dark room.
1: Right. <laughs> exactly. Ooh, dang deep. That's... Yeah. And so for me, that was what drew me to it. And for this particular teacher, he wasn't. He wasn't impressed by that. He thought I was, you know, trying to break the rules or something. So I took that to mean, well, photography isn't for me. And so I wanted to, you know, play basketball and run track and be an athlete instead. And my plan was to go to the NBA and make millions of dollars. And then, you know, I graduated high school and realized that you actually had to be good at basketball <laughs> to go to the NBA, which, you know, I had a little bit of game, but I wasn't <laughs> on that level, you know. <laughs> Um, so for me that was it was just just going to college because i thought that was the next thing to do and i thought i was supposed to you know figure out how to get a scholarship away from north central because that was where my dad worked and so that's why i was going there and but then you know halfway through i remember going on a, a mission trip with the church or with the youth to El Salvador and we went and there was about 40 students and I was just one of the, the the chaperone leaders that went with, and my job was to document the trip. And so when I documented the trip, I had a camera and a video camera because those two didn't come in one device at the time. Mm -hmm. And I just spent two weeks just photographing people and photographing, you know, beautiful landscapes and all these things. And it was like from the other, the other part of that backdrop was I had pretty severe ADD at the time to the point where I was medicated in school, took Ritalin all that kind of stuff. And my issue was I could never focus. Focus was always the biggest challenge for me. And so it was like, when I looked through that small little lens, it was like everything came into focus Wow. And everything kind of came alive. And so it was like all of the distracting feeling and the lack of focus that I had was actually like flipped inside out when I would look into a camera. And so, yeah, that, that happened. And as soon as I got back, I made business cards on clip art on, on yeah. <laughs> my, my, my desktop computer that my mother bought me that literally had like a capacity of 25 gigs or something like that and then I just remember starting to do family pictures starting to do portraits here and there starting to do you know a wedding here any anything that anybody would pay me for I just started doing
0: oh my god do you remember when I tapped you this was like right after college mm-hmm. right 2002 uh, six and I tapped David he was really he was really good. David was really good. He's being humble, but in <laughs> Naperville you were a huge deal. You had your own like studio and exhibit and I'm a fan of your work because you're right. You have the ability to Capture beautiful moments. And I knew I wanted you as a photographer for our wedding, for mine and John's wedding. Yeah, but we yeah. were poor at the time. So $2,000 <laughs> was like, oh, John's like, what? Like, we ain't spending no $2,000. I was like, but we have to. So I tapped him and we we're going to do that. And then literally the day of the wedding, we 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 changed our mind. We decided to get married um, earlier than our original date, and I had to cancel on you. You remember that? No, and I
1: remember. I, <laughs> I remember. I, I remember. felt so
0: bad. So I'm sorry about that, David.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the whole time, I was been- wondering when you were going to apologize. <laughs> 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 no, it's funny because there are so many random things that start out. I, honestly, at the time, I was so new to... Being a photographer in general, I didn't even really know what the rules were of what somebody should or shouldn't do. So there's all kinds of folks that I, you know, had planned to work with or didn't or, you know, wound up calling me last second and we did work together, whatever. I don't know. That, that was like all a part of the process. And I think I learned how to be not just a photographer, but I think for me, I learned how to be a, a, a business owner, you know? Yeah figured out how to you know negotiate how to make a deal how to
0: have a team
1: yeah have a team run a team and make them feel like they're they're proud of being a part of something and a a big lesson that I needed to learn especially because a lot of a lot of the folks that I was friends with didn't have two thousand dollars to do anything with and to be honest a lot of the work that I put together and I remember the first time I put together like a quote sheet or an estimate or like a a pricing guide or any of those things. I mean, between you and me, the numbers that I probably gave you, I made up. (laughs) Just because someone else was like, oh, well, that's what they're charging. So that's what I'm going to charge. Looks good. (laughs) Right. Exactly. I just remember learning the art of setting a high price and living up to it. Mm hmm. And really just making that my way, you know, like I'm going to set a price that kind of almost feels uncomfortable, but then I'm going to live up to it, you know, and then I'm going to do it again and then keep building from that, if that makes sense.
0: hmm. So who are the most uh, high profile or favorite people that you've worked with so far? What are those accomplishments that you look back and you're like, man, I, I did it. I, I'm, I'm here. Mama, yeah. I made it.
1: <laughs> there is no here. That's A. You hear people say it all the time that the journey is the destination, but it really is. There's several times that I thought I made it, and the moments where I thought I made it were actually the obstacle to where I really needed to go. That's my encouragement to anyone who really is looking to, quote-unquote, make it. Like, if you feel that you get to a point that you made it, chances are it, it is just... A step to where you really need to be going. So for example, I remember when I was, when I, when I would have met, it would have been like around 2007, I think, or it was 2006, 2007 in there where I was shooting anything and everything I could shoot, literally family pictures, senior pictures, weddings, you know, people's dogs who, who knows what I was out here shooting. <laughs> and there was a guy from my church. He was a drummer in the youth group and, uh, kind of a, a mentor figure to me at the time and he he asked if he could see some of my photos and so I showed him and he said well I'd love to um to have you do a shoot sometime and so what I didn't know is he was actually the global creative director for Motorola Solutions at the time and so he asked me about doing a small shoot and and the shoot was going to down to Champaign-Urbana Central Illinois they have a fire training setup there where they send firemen to learn how to go into burning buildings and all of that. So Motorola was also sending some of their engineers uh, to learn how the fire radios that they were designing needed to work in like a burning building sort of a setting. Mm -hmm. So literally I put on a, a whole fireman suit, everything, the helmet, all of that. And I documented this exercise like I went into burning buildings that were like controlled burning buildings and like was taking pictures I was terrified the whole time but you know got it done and afterwards I gave him the photos and he looked at him said that he liked him and he said hey I would love to take these to my my CMO in New York and, and see w- just what he thinks um, because I think there's a, a direction we might want to take with this so He paid me like $800. And I was like, yo, I was about to tell my mom she didn't have to work no more. (laughs) I was like, "Uh, that that was my first we made it. Mom, I got you. Right. I I got you. We are going to Red Lobster tonight. Tonight. (laughs) Extra cheesy bread. Let's (laughs) go. It was just a cool feeling that someone was interested in my work beyond, you know, somebody's family pictures, you know? And so he came back from that meeting in New York and said, hey, they really like the work and interested in in doing, um, you know, some work over the next couple of years. And so for the next year and a half, I worked on creating a new brand library for uh, Motorola Solutions, which involved going all over the world. We went to Shanghai and China. Um, for a shoot, we went to Sao Paulo, Brazil, we went to Toronto, we went went to all kinds of places. And I started actually making enough money for it to be a career and to hire other folks and to like have an actual studio and to buy actual equipment. And yeah, at that moment, it felt like I had made it because for a year and a half, you know, I was working for this client and making money. But then I started to see that I wasn't going to have this client forever and this project was going to be done. Mm -hmm. And so that feeling of I made it needed to turn into, actually, I need to figure out how to take this work and turn it into a portfolio that can make me more work and give give me more clients, basically.
0: And then since then... Is that what your work focuses on as a photographer right now? Uh, corporate clients and brand and
1: yeah, I mean it's really it's co- it's commercial in nature, um, but it's it's like an editorial style I would say. Um, so I would say a lot of the work that I do. Um, What's the
0: difference between a commercial, like commercial and editorial?
1: Yeah, no, that's a great question. So um, editorial would be much more you know, like a specific story for a magazine, you know, this, this work is to tell this specific story for uh, this publication or this project outlet or what? Yeah. And so then for commercial, it's much more uh, advertising and marketing based. Like you're, you're trying to sell something, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, So in editorial, you're, you're focused on the story and its characters and it's, it's for the sake of the voice of whatever publication or whatever editorial space that it it lives within. But then for commercial, you know, you could be trying to sell some shoes. Mm -hmm. So if you're telling a story, it's about those shoes and the end, the end goal is to move those shoes off the shelf. Right. That can come to commercial can come to life in a number of different areas. But I mean, specifically, for me, it has been working with brands. I mean, Microsoft has is, is been another one of our clients that, you know, I try, I try to figure out how I can overlap these two worlds, right? Where I am still telling stories through the images and visually, but at the same time trying to figure out can it fit inside of a commercial world? Mm. Typically, in a comm- commercial Photography is, is going to pay more than editorial photography, but sometimes editorial photography can be super interesting. Mm-hmm. So I try to overlap the two.
0: Yeah. And so when you look at your work and your art now, and you're telling these stories, you're giving voice to these objects or people, people is primarily what you, you capture. Yeah. How do you f- capture the essence of a person? Like how do you capture the, the personality of, Of people, what do you look for for that process?
1: It's all—it's all very personal. (laughs) I I think that that is what has created a career for me. Is the fact that I—it is usually pretty personal for me, especially when I'm dealing with people. That I am looking at how I can connect in a way that. bypasses a lot of the awkwardness of, you know, I'm sticking a big camera in front of your face. Yeah. I feel like this has been something that I've had to work on over the years, but sometimes it involves me like putting down the camera altogether. And usually like you ask me if I've gotten better during the season or honed my craft. What's helped me hone my craft is to put down the camera and see what's worth photographing about a space, about a person, um, about a story, like to be able to absorb that Mm -hmm. just as me first. And then, you know, take that understanding and take that familiarity and then capture it. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Let's switch really quick and and talk about what we've been going through with with George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and social justice and Black Lives Matter yeah. and leading through that crisis as well. And, and yourself being a black creator during this time, mm-hmm. the series that you're a part of right now is, is really about how do we help a hurting nation heal? And I think art and creativity is a big part of that. It's a huge part. And to your point, it's being able to focus in on those things that actually like really matter to you. Um, But I'm interested to hear what your thoughts, what your perspective is on that question and and what your experience has been during this time.
1: I would say the the initial reaction to the moment was just, again, you you remember I said before, I'm the spur into action person. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not very good at processing off that. I'm more trying to figure out what can we do? You know, I made I was I was making a joke. To w- one of my friends when this stuff first happened, is you know, the most valuable person in America was a, a nice black person when all this stuff first happened because everybody <laughs> wanted to hear what a nice person had to say. It's true. Okay. Somebody who is more like Martin than Malcolm, you know, right? I'm not, if somebody's militant and way too outspoken, I'm not going to ask them. So for me, you know, there was a lot of talking and a lot of, you know, helping people process. I, I, I probably fielded calls from at least, um, not an exaggeration, 30 or 40 people, black, white, brown, everything of people that were trying to process people that were trying to process the moment and figure out, you know, what this meant for them. So it was a lot of like giving people permission, especially young black folks like saying, yeah, it's okay to feel the way that you feel. It's okay to feel, you know, angry, mad, sad, depressed. Um,
0: how did you feel about it personally? Cause I saw you, you know, you, I saw your interaction and you're trying to educate, advance, but how did that, like, how did you feel?
1: I think the feeling was uh, grief And when I say grief, what I mean is like grief is like the level of sadness and emotion that you can't really put words to all the time. And it just kind of is welling up within you. Mm -hmm. Um, So I felt that. But then I also just really felt this sense of um, like it was a moment, you know, it was it and it still is a moment and it's the moment is, is just a realization that there is a, it's like a, it's like our country's original sin, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like our first sin that has never been addressed. That has never been atoned for. It's never been, you know, healed. Right. Um, So for me, it was that realization and realizing where I fit inside that spectrum, which Mm -hmm. is, yeah, it's the realization that I have felt uh, that same sense of fear and that same sense of sadness that my father and his father before, and some of that was communicated and talked to me about, and then a lot of it wasn't. A lot of it just was inside of me and activated in moments like this and it's
0: interesting because i would say you know we grew up privileged in a sense right like Mm -hmm. sheltered in naperville and in this bubble and we have resources and access and um maybe not discriminated in the same ways do you feel that this maybe opened up like what you just said it opened up a, a different level of 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 sight for you um
1: is yeah, it's, it changed the lens. It changed the lens of of my experience and my past. While I think in in one breath, absolutely, I have in if I were to c- compare my black experience to a, a a larger black experience, things have not been as difficult for me as they have been for a lot of folks that look like me. Um, however, I will say, I think I realized. The the lens changed when I look at my past where I realized, whoa, um, there have been a lot of moments actually where, you know, a way I was spoken to, a way I was treated, a way um, I was interacted with was not right. And it was crazy because so many of those moments, it was almost like I had a secret compartment inside of me that had subconsciously cataloged these moments and over the last two months it's like they've been opened up and reviewed and i some of them i've had to lament and be really sad about and then some of them i've had to go and address someone or some of them i've had to just swallow and be like man can't believe i didn't realize what that was Uh, blatant moments of you know prejudice, racism, whatever, being uh, a Black person in a, in a majority non-Black space.
0: How has it influenced your art and your creativity, right? And, and I know that you started the, the conversations with the, the creators groups. What has been the outcome and result of that?
1: Yeah, it's, it's interesting. And there, there is actually one exciting thing that just happened very recently. I mean, there's been a few really exciting things, actually, but that was one of my first points of just activation where I felt like, oh, well, yeah, this is a space and a group that I can speak up for because there aren't a lot of Black artists that can sustain themselves on just their art. And it's because the space has not been friendly to them. You know, the creative industry has not been fair or welcoming or well represented when it comes to black and brown people. That is one thing where first just engage conversation and then, you know, also talking about solutions and then also trying to figure out like, okay, how can we dismantle what has been in place systematically for so long? Um, So I, I had an artist rep. have an artist rep wonderful machine and and we have uh we've agreed in relationship with true chicago which is the creative organization not-for-profit that i run where basically the whole point of true chicago is for us to educate energize and expand young creatives you know how can we add value to who they are and where they're going and then encourage them to use that gift back in their community. So one of the things we did was with my my rep agency, we decided, hey, let's run some workshops that can specifically teach and bring knowledge to young creatives that are black and brown. And we picked things like branding, marketing, how can you present yourself? And so we just had our first one last week. There were three of the folks that they decided to just Uh, review their site and and critique with the whole group and all of that. And one of them, there's a girl named uh, Akila Townsend, um, who you should check out. After the workshop, the CEO of of the rep agency emailed me and said that, hey, we've decided to sign Akila Townsend and bring her on and and represent her. That's awesome. Yeah. And she's, you know, she's, Um, shout out
0: (laughs) Akila! yeah
1: she's a young black photographer from the south side and you know if if we weren't having moments like this they would never even see her work you know and so it's exciting things like that that are starting to happen uh where I do feel like this is this is a good moment of opportunity
0: what made you start true Chicago how old is it as an organization
1: yeah it's I mean we started in 2017 um, we have had three conferences that we do. We do a conference every year. And the first th- one that we did, honestly, we just wanted it to be a little workshop. Um, and so you're asking me, you're asking me why we started the, the, if I go all the way back to that, that Motorola story that I was telling you about the, um, the creative director that asked me to come out to, to, to shoot the firemen and all that, I, When I look back at my career, all the success I can tie back to someone who took a chance on me. Yeah. I could could tie it back to someone who said, hey, I think you could do this. And they treated me as if I was a person that I wasn't yet, if that makes sense. Okay. They, they, They really invested in me as if I was already the person that I needed to become. And so I eventually became who they thought I could become because of the way that they believe. And so I always try to have an internship program or some sort of something in place where we can be developing young creatives to, in a sense, do the same thing. But we were only able to do that for, you know, two or three people in, in a year and that, to me, wasn't enough. And so I, my feeling was, how could we do this for, you know, a lot more people? Yeah. So the, the thought was, um, if we have this workshop or something, maybe we could get 20 or 30 young people in a room, and we could get some uh, creative leaders in, in several different industries to speak about their story and their creative process. And that's what we did. And, and instead of 20 or 30 people showing up, there was about 75 people that showed up and the next year it grew after that. And, and so that's was,
0: hard to get 75 people to show up <laughs> in it person. Is. <laughs>
1: it is, it is. And so this past year, 2019, out of the four events that we did, we did workshops and, and we had our conference as well. Out of four events, over a thousand people came Wow! to, to all the events. And so it's, it's become one of those things where we realize there's an actual need. There's an actual need because if you want to be a dentist, if you want to be an accountant, there is a step-by-step process for how to get there. But if you want to be a creative and have that as an artist be what you do as your life's work, there isn't a set path. And so you need wisdom. You need guidance. You need leadership. And so True Chicago is about providing that, that guidance and leadership.
0: So for the the creative, so what kind of art are you supporting? Is it photography? Is what kind of art is there yeah. that people can be in?
1: Yeah, it's all kind. Honestly, it's all kinds of um, it's all kinds of creative spaces and industries that we're really um, looking to invest in and support. I mean, yeah, there are a lot of photographers, filmmakers. You know, there's writers. There's folks that are in fashion. There's folks that are singers musicians it really almost doesn't matter it's the idea is we want to see people be able to get traction and grow and uh, be able to sustain themselves in in creative spaces and so Mm -hmm. um with this so you you were asking about everything with george floyd and and how all of that that has gone down Um, we were already really um, investing in young, young black and brown, young creatives. However, a lot of what we did was not in spaces that was always very accessible to folks that were coming from either the South or West sides or predominantly black and brown uh, neighborhoods. And so we made two sharpenings in our vision uh, after the last month and a half. And, and the first thing is we decided that we were going to specifically focus uh, on 15 to 25 year old young people. So mm-hmm. that doesn't exclude folks younger or older, but we wanted to focus on that age range. And so the same thing, um, we wanted to make sure all of our programming was beneficial and accessible to Black and Brown communities.
0: And what do they so, need to do to be a part of it? Do they need to have produced and created work, or could they just be interested?
1: Yeah. So uh, literally, there is there are no prerequisites other other than the the fact that this is you. You have really you are deciding that you want to be a creative. Our our website is truechicago.co, and then our Instagram is at truechicago.co. And so, I mean, there's all kinds of information about upcoming programs and um, our yearly conference we're going to be having in, in a virtual space, and we're going to be doing that the first two weekends of October.
0: And what about people who are above that age threshold? Is there a way for them to still be involved or participate?
1: 100% hundred percent they can they can jump in, and really we are looking for folks that can even help in a mentorship capacity and even can contribute to to younger artists that are just getting started
0: mm-hmm. awesome and that's all on
1: your website yes 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 yes
0: and then on top of all of this, you have a church that you've helped what did you help start it? Are you uh, a leader in the church? How did this come about? Yeah.
1: so we did help to to start the church, but it's been crazy because church doesn't look like how it used to look, you know, No, um, it is. a whole... And people
0: need church right now or something else, right? Yeah. It's,
1: I mean, it is not about a physical space. It's not about the number of people that you could get. It's about constantly putting out content and making it meaningful and, and making it relational um, and really helping to encourage people wherever they are. So our mission is love God and serve the city. And so that is one of the things that we are working on. Even this Saturday, we're doing a grocery drop in Garfield Park. And so it's really been figuring out what can we do with what we have to, to serve the city of Chicago.
0: So I know that a lot has changed in the last, you know, three, six months with church and how it's being um, consumed and how it's, people were engaging yeah. But I also think that there's a lot of things that have not changed and will never change, right? Like yeah. basic human needs of wanting to be loved, wanting to be heard, wanting to um, feel connected. What are some of those common struggles or pain points that you see that have been common themes throughout your years of experience in working with people? Do any stick out or no? Because that's what I'm interested in, right? Like you get you get this awesome opportunity to fellowship and consult and and really connect with people in a deep way on a consistent basis. Yeah. What 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 do you take from that?
1: At the end of the day, whether it's through photography, through church, through investing in creatives in Chicago, it's about impacting people at the end of the day. It's about being life giving to them. All of those things at the end of the day have to be life giving them and leading them closer to the purpose for why they were made in the first place. And so all of the things that I'm doing, I I am looking to point in that direction.
0: Thank you for listening to Tuesdays with Andrea. There are hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there, and I appreciate you making the time to listen to mine. If you like this show and want to know more, check out Tuesdayswithandrea.com or please leave a review on iTunes or drop a line in the YouTube comment section. Until next time, please stay kind in your mind, nice on the web, and stay hella hopeful in your heart.